0: Hello and welcome back to the Andrew Haynes Show. For today's episode, Andrew sat down with Travis Apple, the Chief Revenue Officer of Event Dynamic, an
1: AI-based ticketing platform for teams and leagues. Travis has spent his entire career in sports, starting with the Atlanta Spirit after graduating from Ashland University in 2007. From there, he spent time with the Pittsburgh Pirates, Orlando Magic, the Phoenix Suns, Miami Marlins, and the NBA, working in their team bow arm. He is a pleasure to have on the show
0: today, and we hope you enjoy. All right, well, I'm excited today. We get to talk with uh, Travis Apple, who spent a lifetime in professional sports uh, all throughout the, uh, the East Coast from the league level, team level, and, uh, you know, excited to learn more about uh, his journey. So thanks for joining me, Travis. No, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. I'm excited for it. I wish I would have worn my suit now, though, that you have your suit on. Like, you know, that's the one thing it's like about 10 years ago I got introduced to custom suits and ever since I didn't mind wearing suits prior to that I hated to wear suits so yeah no you know I think it's
1: it's kind of my stick in uh in this business now you know I've always been a big suit shirt and tie guy and uh you know I always kind of joke you know when I have these or zoom calls I always like to throw a suit on one to make sure it still fits but two it's like I've spent a good amount of money on these suits and ties I want to get something out
0: of them. I mean, can does it button? Can you yeah, button it still? Yeah, okay. I can
1: still button. I haven't put the COVID-19 on yet.
0: Are you wearing shorts though? Is the question.
1: Nah, i you know, I thought about that the old ESPN. I got my <laughs> tearaways. I got the I full
0: the full outfit. I make sure my shoes still fit and nice. I want to be ready to go. I did I, I had a job interview through uh, Skype. Bunch of years back, and I was like, Do I wear shorts? And I was like, What the hell if I have to stand up (laughs) or something? Yeah, so I decided not to. So that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, exactly. So, kind of walk us through a little bit of your background, you know, from when you got into the industry all the way up to where you're at now.
1: Yeah, so I I grew up in Ohio, went to a small school, D2 school in Ohio. Um, I like to say it's the Harvard of Ohio, it's called Ashland University, and you know, throughout there, and I triple majored there. I ended up getting an internship at a racetrack and that was kind of my first experience of sales and you know back when interns didn't get paid and uh, started making money it was really cold calling between cold calling and cold walking you know I was canvassing going door to door and started making some money which was exciting and so right out of college it was one of those things you know what I've got a chance to move away let's do it. To be honest, I didn't really know this business existed, uh, but had a a friend that knew somebody that worked in the Hawks organization, the Atlanta Hawks and Thrashers. And so I remember, uh, you know, going in there, seeing a job posting, reaching out to her. She said, I forward your resume to this guy named Corey Breton. Um, So I said, okay. And, you know, I was impatient. I mean, this was March (laughs) of my senior year. And so I was so impatient that I said, you know what, like, I'm going to call him. So I literally snail mailed my resume to him and then called, just called the front desk, asked for him, left a voicemail. The next day left another voicemail. And I'm sure he would still tell you that, you know, I annoyed him enough to, to finally have a call. So uh, right after college, the day after I graduated college, moved to Atlanta, Georgia, um, you know, with, with some clothes. That was about the extent of it. So and, and started my journey, which has been a, a fun journey in this industry. Did you grow up in Ashland as well? Or what part of
0: Ohio were you? So in? I
1: grew up in Northwest Ohio, a small town called Delphus, 6,500 people, very farm town. Um, it was about two and a half hours from Ashland.
0: Okay. I grew up, I didn't grow up. I lived in Canton, Ohio for seven years. So. Okay.
1: Yeah. So Ashland's about an area. hour from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been to the college before. So that's cool. What was that like going from, from a small town in Ohio to Atlanta, which is a, huge city.
1: Yeah, it was uh it was a culture shock to say the least, you know. I was growing up going on Route 30 or or Route 75 through Ohio and through cornfields to getting downtown Atlanta with the 285, you know. Uh, ended up living in college park and loved it. Uh, but it was certainly a culture shock, you know, and, and at the time, you know, when you're 21, 22 years old, and you're making a little bit of money, you've got everybody and their brothers still coming down to visit. So it was, you know, kind of my house down there was a revolving door, but it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. And, you know, I worked around a lot of really good people who are great friends of mine today and, and great mentors of mine. So what so you basically just started entry level
0: there. And yeah, how long I started- were you there for?
1: Started in inside sales and, uh, you know, we were selling the Atlanta Hawks and then the Atlanta Thrashers. Um, And so, as I'm sure most people in this business, you kind of keep track of your records. Um, The Thrashers had made the playoffs right before I got there. We had the NHL All-Star game my first year and and went out in the first seven games of my career, they lost, and then they fired their coach. So that was like, here, welcome, welcome in. Uh, Right. Now go sell some tickets, please. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Go sell it. And, uh, you know, which was funny, you know, you think about uh, a lot of people in this industry want to get in it and say, well, I'm just not a big basketball fan, or I'm not a big hockey fan. The first NHL game I'd ever been to in my life was on my interview. Um, for a thrashers game. So I went to a thrashers game. It happened to be a playoff, the first round playoff game uh, versus the New York Rangers. And I go in, it's, uh, you know, it's a, a Saturday and the arena is just crazy. I mean, it's just sold out. Um, they called it blue land, fun atmosphere. The next day I go to an Atlanta Hawks game. I'm still in Atlanta on a Sunday afternoon game when the season was coming to a close, the team was not very good. And I bet there were, 6,000 people there. So, on one end, it was like they could use me. Now I got to figure out how to sell it. Right. And so, so it went down to Atlanta. You know, again, great mentors, you know, Bernie Mullen, who who owns and operates the Aspire Group was the president of the team. Lou DiPale, who's the EVP of the Mets, Brendan Donahue, Chris Zaver, Corey Breton, you know, list goes on and on. Great people there. And so I uh, worked my way up through inside sales, new business, and then premium seating and, and was being the team leader for for inside sales. So I spent two and a half years in Atlanta uh, and really loved it.
0: Was, um, you, you mentioned uh, Donahue, right? Yep from um was he what role was he in there
1: so he was the vice president of ticket sales
0: okay because I mean, then I'm he sure. was with team Bo and then with the 2k league right
1: yeah so it was it was okay. interesting so so bd and i uh both left the hawks uh you know about a week apart he went to team Bo, i went to the pittsburgh pirates and and i remember you know you talk about relationships and i remember having a good conversation with him he said one day we'll work together again at that point in time, you know, I was 24 years old. I didn't know. I, you know, right. I hope so. I really liked him. And then, you know, fast forward, uh, you know, quite a few years of my career. He, you know, I got a call when he was at Team Bo and, uh, you know, brought me in to oversee the ticketing world uh, of Team Bo, traveling around to NBA, WNBA and G League teams, which I know we'll get to, but, you know, and then, and then ironically enough, I remember getting a call from him. I was on the road. I'll never forget. I was in the Salt Lake uh, airport and, and BD calls me and says, Hey, just giving you a heads up you're going to have a new boss. I'm transitioning. I'm like to what? He's like the commissioner of the 2K league. What is that? <laughs> like people are, you know, people are going to pay and, and you're people are watching other people play video games. And then now that business is, has taken on oh,
0: real. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to learn that. I have a 16 year old, so he, uh, he teaches me a little bit. We, this is our uh, little gaming Joker gaming. Oh, nice. um, That we're working on together. You got the great <laughs> branding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta get the product placement out there.
1: Yeah, it is crazy. You know, you think about it right when when we were growing up and, and going to college, you would have never dreamed of telling your parents, Hey, I'm gonna go and I got a scholarship to play video games. But now all these colleges have these e gaming scholarships and then, hey, I work for a sports team and it was I was excited because I was in entry level sales, you know, making making eight bucks an hour and commission, no benefits. <laughs> now people are, are making a good salary and getting moved to the city to play, you know, two K. It's yeah. pretty cool
0: yeah well how was it transitioning from Atlanta then back to Pittsburgh I mean Pittsburgh is gonna be more more like Ohio I think in just almost every every area except it's still a bigger city but um, how was that transition
1: yeah it was great you know you you talk about when, when you take opportunities my advice to everyone is it's all about the people you work for and with and alongside what is the opportunity and can you make an impact? So, uh, you know, prior to me joining the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, Lou who's now at the Mets and, and Chris Zaber had both joined Pittsburgh uh, and they called me to to come up and, and, you know, kind of run their inside sales program initially. And it was one of those things that, hey, you know what, in Atlanta, I'm, you know, the top salesperson here. I've got a lot of credibility. I'm next in line to be a leader. But I felt like it was one of those things somewhat out of my comfort zone. Um, it was somewhere I felt early on in my career that I could build a new network within Major League Baseball. I felt like I had built a decent network in the NBA, NHL world. Um, and it was an opportunity for me to do something different. And, you know, I knew staying in Atlanta, which I would have loved, I still have great relationship with everybody there, that you know, they've, they've already put that program on the map. You know, Pittsburgh baseball at the time really wasn't known their business side or their sales side. You know, a lot of major league baseball teams at the time, you know, going back, this is you know, late 2009, they didn't even have inside sales. You know, a lot of a lot of major league baseball teams. So I knew it was something that we could really you know take on and, and really build something special. And so I went up to to work for Lou and Chris. Ended up spending three and a half years there. Um, you know, worked my way up to oversee premium new business and inside sales. But what a great experience! You know, I look back at uh, we were able to to hire a lot of really good people that that have went on in this in this business and in this industry to do a lot of really good things and just. it it was fun because, you know, my first year there, I'll never forget. um, You know, we had a hundred, we ended up losing 105 games, but we were mathematically eliminated, I think a week after the all-star break. So if you think about baseball and the sales cycle, you're ready to kick off new sales campaigns, August 1st. And by the time we were launching that campaign, we were already mathematically eliminated at the time. I think, you know, we, we somehow won a few games at the end. I think we're on pace to lose 115 games or so, but still able to have success, you know? So I was there for, the 18th 19th and 20th straight losing seasons but you you know as well as i do in this business it all comes down to control what you can control yeah. and so that's what we focused on you know we focused on getting face to face having trained and developed sales team members to really be elite and uh you know it was a lot of fun and um so yeah spent three and a half years there we were, we set a lot of record both for pittsburgh and major league baseball and then uh you know got the call to to go down in the orlando magic um, which was fun, you know, and it was you, you talk about, you know, timing or wrong timing. So you know, when I got down to the magic. Um, the, the arena was a couple years old now, the new Amway center, um, that you're obviously familiar with being in your backyard there, but you know, Stan Van Gundy had just got fired. Dwight Howard just, just moved on. And, uh, you know, we had the second overall pick. So my second week there, uh, was the draft. We drafted Victor Oladipo, but you know, it was, it was a, a fun experience, you know, and then on the flip side, the pirates, when I left was the first year they made the playoffs. So it was one of those things like, as soon, as, that I left, suck on that? As, soon as I left, <laughs> they got good. Um, it's like come on. Yeah. But, you know, and it was it was a, it was a great uh, experience for me. You know, I went down, um, you know, that was the first time in my career that I, you know, I took a role that I really didn't know the people I was going to work for. Um, and, and Charlie Freeman and Michael Ford and Chris Dorso. And they were great, you know, because they, they looked at the business just in a different light uh, and a different perspective. And so really kind of taught me a lot, you know, as, as opposed to just continuing to learn from the same people, you know, I already took what I learned and what I known from that and really brought in a you know kind of a new perspective of the business.
0: Yeah, and I I think the NBA though just does a really good job just with uh, you know training and developing you know talent. Yeah, you just see you just see so much, and you know I mean you know you've been in it for a while in all these leadership roles. I always look at it; it's like it's almost like the coaching tree. You know how like you look at these Super Bowl winning coaches, and then where everybody. I kind of look at the front office the same way. And it's, it's, for me, it's really rewarding when you see these people that maybe were like an intern or that, you know, whatever they, they've worked their way up and now they're in leadership roles. And for me, that's really uh fulfilling and rewarding. So,
1: And and I think I I completely agree with that. You know, it was one of those things is, you know, I've told a lot of people this, when you get into leadership, you know, no longer you necessarily controlling your own destiny, right? As a sales professional, as a sales team member, you can make more calls, set more appointments, make more sales, and that kind of controls your destiny. You get into leadership, now you've got to understand, you got to hire the right people, train, develop, onboard. But then more importantly, like, your legacy is is what that tree is, you know, and I think that's what I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of great people and have a lot of great people work for me that has helped me kind of put my name on the map in this industry, just for the sheer fact that, you know, we had a lot of really good people that did a lot of great things. And then they disperse and go to other teams. And it's like, well, where'd you come from? Oh, I came from this team. Oh, that this person was the leader. And that's what kind of put your name on the map.
0: Yeah. And yeah, no, it's, it's really cool to see. And, you know, you've, you've had some, some good roles um, that I'm sure that that tree is uh, spread out across the the whole country. I always looked at it too, because in my role I was uh, I owned a lot of minor league sports teams. So I looked at it the same way for the players. So it's like, you know, now for let's just say indoor soccer, which I've owned for almost 10 years, there's like almost a player on every team in the league that is, played for me at some point And, and so it's really, it's just, it's cool. And then you have all your, you know, your people that you have mutual respect for in the industry that, you know, you're competing with on, you know, the ticket side, like, you know, right. What team's going to be number one? Uh,
1: yeah, on the business side, you know, you go back and you have league meetings. No matter what league you're in, you always want to have an award. You always want to be represented in you know one of those presentations because it shows you know what that the time and effort and resources that we as a team spent together, we've had success. And you know a lot of people say like, what has been you know what's always the most memorable experience of your career? And I think that's it. You know when you when you go on and you know I look at LinkedIn and. Or somebody will shoot me a text. Hey, I just got promoted. You know, hey, I'm now the the executive director. Or I'm the vice president, or I'm a director. Like, and almost kind of looking back at like when they started their career, like, holy cow! I don't know if this person's going to get out of inside sales, right? <laughs> and now, look how far they've grown and oh, you know yeah. have evolved in their career path. And it's you know it's a great, and that's what I think makes this business so fun. Um, oh, yeah. You know, because because you look at this and people ask this all the time, right? It's like, it's a lot of long hours. It's a lot of nights. It's a lot of weekends. It's a grind. It's not easy. You're not selling a necessity. right? But the reason a lot of people stay in it like us is because it's so much fun. Right. You know, you have such a fun, you build so much, so many good relationships and in sales you can control your own destiny.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, so you, you've kind of, you're, you're, the first half of your career, we'll call it, you know, has been with teams that, you know, were not playoff bound or or really performing on the field or a court. So how do you still, you know, produce on the the sales side? And you know, I know at the minor league level, it's the experience, and and we can sell that. At the major league level, I know that, you know. That, that affects the bottom line a little bit more than, than it will at the minor. So what did you do to, you know, have that success in, with those teams?
1: Yeah it's always funny and for anyone that's in this industry I always recommend like keep track of your records I have an excel list and you know <laughs> uh, I, I have a three about a 385 winning percentage and in, in a couple of my winning teams were when I was the, the vice president of sales and service with the Suns we also had the Mercury and the WNBA and the Arizona Rattlers so we had some playoff teams so it kind oh, of So boosted, the Rattlers
0: boosted you up they boosted, only lose a game in My year.
1: wins you know um, but you know it's, it's a great point I think it, it's always good advice that I give to people as well like getting in this business like hey it doesn't matter what what sports, you know, whether you're a diehard fan or not, doesn't matter if the team is good or bad. Um, what is the opportunity, right? And I've been fortunate to to spend you know my career in in spaces that have opportunities, you know, to sell premium inventory, to sell suites, to sell inventory in general. And I think it all comes down to effort, in my opinion. You know, for those of you who know me and. You know, it, it, hustle and effort is a big key. I think you know it's sales and numbers game. The harder you work, the the more you you, you spend time, you're focusing on your craft, the better off you're going to be. And so, I think regardless of that, because you're selling the experience, nobody you know not too many people remember who went won or lost you know six yeah. months ago at a game or. You know, even pre-COVID time what they remember is their experience and that's where you can help control it so um, you know I think and in, in when a team's not very good I'd really look at it as a challenge you know the way I looked at it is hey you know if I'm going to that next role and they see something on my resume and they see a team that like wow that team's never been good yeah. and he was the top producer or he or she did this or, he or she did that that's another way to put your name on the map as a sales team member you had success oh, yeah. there Hey, look, we think our team's a little bit better on the field or on the court or on the ice. I, you, you're really going to be able to take it to the next level here.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that's that's for sure. When did you stop selling and just have leadership roles like 100 percent of the time?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the easiest answer to that is like, you never stop selling, right? You know, as as you've been a part of that, you know, where I I stopped having the, you know, the daily sales goal was when I left Atlanta to go to Pittsburgh. Um, But you know, that's why I always tell people is like, there's a big difference between going into management or leadership. You know, there's too many people that like, I want to get into management because I don't want to like cold call anymore. Well, if you think about it you really want somebody you want to work for people that are leaders you know that are leading by example and that aren't afraid to make those cold calls aren't afraid to go on those appointments and you, know, you think about leadership you're always going to be selling because you need to to sell to the individual to come work for you to be trained and developed come work for your organization and then you better believe it you know when that nut and you know and that bottom line that big number out there is you know on your head if there's some some sales meetings, you better be gone on them because you know if you can help close the deal by all means, like that's going yeah. to help you. so yeah, I mean I think you know the the day-to-day sale, selling process as far as cold calls and appointments you know stopped when I transitioned to Pittsburgh, um, but I feel like you know that that's always continued for my career
0: Yeah, well, and I think it's important too. I mean you know, I know when I, I jumped up to Virginia, the sales team was struggling they just they couldn't sell like. Literally, the the partnership side had no sales in the last four months. The ticket sales were okay, but it just took going on meetings with them, building their confidence back up and and helping them. So, you know, definitely, uh, yeah, I don't think it ever really stops, but uh, more so from like the, you know, you're not making 50 calls, you're not, you know... um, you know, it's more about building up the team and, yep. and, and putting them that in a, common know, a goal. blueprint to,
1: to be successful. And, you know, that's why I've always told all of my leadership teams. And that's what I'd recommend to any leader is like, you should never be telling a sales team member to do something that you're not willing to do, you know, and that can start at the basics. Like when it comes to select seats, you should be out there tagging seats right alongside the sales team members or the interns, right? When it comes to working sales table, if somebody leaves, you should be able to step right in and work a sales table to the elite level. And I think that that's the big thing that I've always taken pride on in, in myself and in my career is I'm never going to ask somebody to do something that I can't do um, and that I'm not willing yeah. to do as well because I think it does go a long way.
0: Oh, it definitely, you know, gets the respect of the, the team, you know, once they know that you're you're all in, you know, you're going to roll your sleeves up. So so how was the transition? So you were out in Phoenix as the vice president of ticket sales and service. So you go from, you know, the team side, and now you're going back to the NBA uh, league side for the first time. How was that transition? And, you know, the dynamics of team versus league
1: yeah, I mean, I think, you know, going back and when, when Brendan called me about it, you know, at first it was like, I don't know, you know, I'm really happy and excited about, you know, what we're building here in Phoenix. I've been there a couple of years. And then when he's like, hey, look, we're going to create this role. And I, you know, I remember asking him, why, why is this position the right fit for me? He's like, look, your vertical and your career has been the ticketing and premium route this will give you exposure to all the other verticals in this business. And if, you know, you want to lead a team, be a president of a team one day, CEO of a team one day, you need to learn these other verticals. And I think that was the biggest thing. You know, my, my main role at Team Bo was to travel around each week to NBA, to WNBA and G League markets, share best practices, uh, and, you know, train and focus on driving revenue in the ticketing and premium space. But while you're there, you're meeting with, sometimes ownership groups, CEOs, presidents, VPs of marketing, VPs of analytics, of digital, of sponsorship. So just being engaged in those conversations and dialogue just really helped me, you know, to be honest, it put me in an uncomfortable situation sometimes, you know, because I used to be, oh, when I go in and talk sales, I've been, you know, a lot of part of ticketing. I'm not, I'm not an expert by any means, but I can, you know, kind of speak it. When I get into these conversations about, you know, finance or, or, you know, marketing or digital assets, something I'm just not as comfortable with. So it's a a lot of learning and it really stretched me. And so it was such a great experience. You you see, there's a long list of people that have come from Teambo that went on to do a lot of great things. There's still people at Teambo that are doing great things. And, you know, the NBA, as you said, has always been a, a very a well-run league. And I think everybody looks at, you know, looks at the NBA as like, this is a, a number one business operator. And so really I, I took a great experience from it, loved it, had a great time doing it, um, which, which ultimately led me to, you know, to Miami at the the Marlins for
0: a couple of years. And when you're with Team Bo, though, I mean, that was extensive travel, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. So it, you know, at one point in time, you know, there was a year that I'd spent 220 nights in a hotel. Um, so it was, a lot of travel a lot of flights you know when I first started I was still living in Arizona so I'd fly the red eye Sunday night land at JFK shower head to the office and then head out for the week but yeah you're typically on the road you know Monday to Thursday Tuesday to Friday each week but you know it was, it was great you know I think the one thing that you know you, you talk about your network I think I really expanded my network during that time because Fantastic. you know you know your counterparts at, at to a point but now you're getting to know everybody within that organization. Um, so yeah, it was a great experience. A lot of travel, but uh, a great learning experience. I was just, to uh, imagine to challenge myself
0: learning from all those teams, all those others. You know what's successful? What's what's not? I mean, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's some ugly in there too.
1: You know, and they they always say you know as a you know as you get closer to the sun, the hotter it is at times. And I think, you know, diving into that, you start understanding like, all right, here's what some of these ownerships, you know, these owners are looking at, here's what some of these CEOs and presidents are looking at. And, you know, here's kind of maybe why they're doing it. So how can you assist to make sure they're managing up and giving the the most detail they can?
0: Yeah. So how did the Marlins come about then? Was that just because you were in that, that team position and been in major league baseball before?
1: Yeah, you know, I think anybody that, that's ever worked for Teambo or at Teambo, you, you, it's consistently you're getting opportunities presented to you. And I knew, you know, going through Teambo, that it had to make the most sense for me. It had to be, you know, the right people, the right opportunity, the right location. And, uh, you know, the the Marlins came about, a couple of my, you know, mentors in this business came calling me and said, hey, this is a job you should be open to. Um, you know, with with Derek Jeter just buying in, Chip Bowers, is the president and uh you know, I ended up saying, you know what, this this makes a ton of sense. This is a cool opportunity. You know, hey, Florida is a place. Personally, I want to live. Um, I enjoy it down here. And uh, you know, I knew the I had the opportunity. So you know, over the the couple of years I was there, we were able to make you know a huge impact. We were top ten in the league and new FSes. Um, you we we were able to bring in a lot of great talent. That some are still there. Some of have transitioned to other opportunities that that are killing it. So um, it was a great experience. You know, it was one of those things in Miami, as you know in the florida market it's a tough market but really understanding the value of b2b selling and immersing yourself in the marketplace and community so it was a yeah. lot of fun and, and again another great experience with a lot of great people
0: what do you why do you think it's such a challenge in florida or south florida specifically i mean it's like man i love going to games there number one is i love the stadium i know a lot of people there don't like it um i like it it's indoors it's yep it's kind of intimate. Um, you know, it's newer, but every time my wife and I would go to Key West, we would typically drive. We'd stop in Miami, maybe check out a game and then drive down. And so I, I, just, I know Florida's tough in general, just sports. Um, but Miami has just been tough with all the teams.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've I've thought about this a lot because, you know, of the, the several teams I've worked for, you know, you look at Miami, you look at Atlanta, Orlando, Phoenix, they're all transient markets. Pittsburgh was the only one that kind of had your local and your diehard fans. You know, they were telling you no in Pittsburgh because we don't like the team or the team's not yeah. any good. You know, truth be told, like in, in those other four markets and specifically Miami, you hear a little bit about team performance, but more, more majority of your objections are I've got other things to do with my discretionary or my entertainment dollars. You know, you've got the beach, you have golf courses, you have resorts, you've got you know, other sports entities. There's a lot of competition. You know, I would even look at you know in in Miami or even those other markets. Like the competition wasn't necessarily here in Miami. It's not necessarily the Heat, the Dolphins, the right. Panthers. It's everything, everything else, else you can do that, you know, and, and, you know, I remember being in Orlando, Disney was a big competition because you buy a Disney season ticket pass and it's literally good for 365 days a year. You buy an Orlando magic season ticket, you're talking 44 games. And yeah. so you know, now you're competing for that, you know, that discretionary income. And so, um, you know, I, I just, I think it's, it's a little bit of that, but I do think there's a lot of opportunity in those markets, you know, specifically when it comes to the business side. You know, and I think that's where sports can really provide a lot of value proposition is that entertaining on that premium landscape to, to grow businesses, to keep morale up, etc. I think that's where a lot of sales, you know, team members w- with sports teams are in those markets. Like there's
0: a ton of opportunity. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think so. It's would love to see that thing filled. Yep. Exactly. Um, tell, me, tell, me, tell me about um, your current role.
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of those things, and, and I'm sure everybody, you know, that's that spent, you know, some time in this business, eventually you'll come across a time or two or 12 that, you know, you come across a customer that wants to try to hire you. And, you know, typically it's like, no, nah, I've got a passion for what I'm doing. I, you know, I wanted to be in sports. And so when I got down to the Marlins, I had known this guy named Robert Smith. I had met him back when I was at the Pirates and uh, he had just created a company in dynamic pricing. Uh, And we needed some help with, with dynamic pricing. And so we ended up bringing event dynamic in and, you know, the old cliche saying, if you can't beat them, join them. And so I remember, you know, I started making kind of referral calls for Robert. I'd call out to a lot of my peers, both, both in the major league baseball and really across the world, you know, across the leagues and NBA NFL saying, Hey, we utilize this technology. You should take a look at it as he's traveling around. And, and finally he's like, just come work for me. And, uh, you know, I started diving into, it. I, you know, dove into kind of what the business plan and what the projections look like for this company. And I remember calling a couple of my mentors on separate occasions and saying, basically, am I crazy getting out of the team side and into this vendor tech space? And, you know, verbatim, they all said like, Absolutely not. This is the future of our business. It's where it's going, and so you know, go out and kill it. So, uh, you know, I joined back in November. Um, you know, it was a tough decision to make, but it was one of those things that you know what? Hey, this makes sense. Um, and so, you know, Event Dynamic. What we do is we specialize in dynamic ticket pricing based on artificial intelligence and automation. And so, you can plug right in in the primary. And you know, since then, we you talk about you know, opportunity, you know, through COVID, we built out a plan pricers to assist with season ticket pricing. We built out a stadium configurator to assist with limited capacity seating. But, you know, now, you know, kind of my day to day is is I'm going out and, you know, reaching out to my counterparts and peers that I've known in this industry for so long and saying, Hey, you know, it's it's kind of an easy testimonial. I utilize this technology. Now I just happen <laughs> to be on this side, but I actually spent majority of my career on your side of the table what do you think? Let's take a, take a shot at it. And we've, we've had a lot of success. You know, our company's been in business you know, about 19 months now. You know, When I first joined, we had six customers. Uh, we're now north of 40. So we're starting nice. to pick up steam. And I think you know, probably now more than ever, once we get through COVID time, dynamic pricing is going to be more prevalent than it's ever been.
0: Working in the collegiate space as well, or just? Yep. Okay.
1: Yeah. And you, you really think of dynamic pricing, you really think of any ticket right so it's okay. it's a variety of sports collegiate you know you can think of movie theaters festivals broadways amphitheaters anything that has a ticket can be dynamic priced so yeah so we're plugging in we're, we're even getting into the international market you know and starting to have conversations over there um, in the international market because it's the same type of thing
0: is the company based there in south florida then so it's actually based
1: in Dallas, Texas. Okay. So you know I guess you going back to sales that was probably the best sales uh, you know I've made over the the last couple months is I, I convinced the owner to, to allow me to stay in Miami um, which is actually hasn't been too bad now because everybody's working from home anyway but you no, know, I yeah. stayed in Miami but our headquarters in Dallas we have about 20 total people there uh, within the company.
0: So okay so you've been on the team side the league side and now you know call it the vendor side like you know what you know what kind of what? What are the pros of each that you like? You know.
1: Yeah. You know. I think. Um, you know the pro of of working on the team side is is seeing the growth and development of everybody you know going in and you hiring an intern and watching them work their way up to an inside sales manager one day or or seeing somebody that is getting kicked in the teeth in inside sales and can't you can't sell anything and then all of a sudden become the top seller and the first to promotion so you know and having that that one goal mentality i think is something that you know i love on the team side the training the development the constant just pushing each other to be elite and you're seeing them every day yeah. i think on the the league perspective I think what I really gain is, I mentioned this earlier, is just the understanding of all the inner workings of other departments. You know, that's why I always tell people when, to be a great leader. What I've learned in this industry is like, you've got to understand what the other verticals are doing so you can work together and have that one goal. And I think on the league end, that's something, you know, sharing best practices and learning best practices certainly will help me do whatever I want to do. And now in this kind of vendor tech space, I think really the big thing is the entrepreneurship you know, you, you've you done it, you know, a lot of your career, right, in, in owning and operating teams. I'd always, I a lack of a better term, work for the guy, right? And so, you know, having that understanding, you know, of the entrepreneurship, you're working for a smaller company. So, I don't have, you know, I went from Miami to having, you know, 90 to 100 people to you know we've got a 20 total person you know team in general and so you don't have as much of that but you're learning that entrepreneurship um, and you're just learning other areas of the business uh you know understanding what's going to be the best return on investment and, and ultimately probably even more importantly return on energy
0: yeah well and with your experience too i'm sure you know for um the company i mean it's 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 crucial for them to be able to get your feedback and modify and pivot where they need to because you know every, it's changing at a rapid rate right now everything and and now especially with covid you know you really have to think outside the box
1: I, I sure hope they would say that but yeah I mean it, that's you know in this business you know you always talk about you've got to continue to evolve you know and I think that's something I've always you know I've always kind of given three pieces of advice my entire career and it's passion work ethic and coachability, because those are the three things you can control, right? You've got to have a passion for your craft and a passion to want to be successful. You got to outwork everyone, no matter what. And then you got to be open to coaching, open to learning, because our business just continues to evolve around us. And, you know, I use it as somewhat of a, a dumb example, but when, you know, I was selling premium seating in Atlanta in 2007, 2008, I still had a flip phone. You know, some of our listeners may not even know what that is, right? Or, or say, oh, well, hey, I, I see the Razor's coming back. But I saw it a flip phone, no internet, no email. You paid per text. And now decision makers are texting credit card numbers, right? Mm-hmm. You're utilizing LinkedIn as a business tool. So you've got to continue to evolve. And, you know, I'm a big believer if good things happen to good people, if you put yourself in a good position.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's what I like too about your um, podcast that you launched. Fifty-two weeks of hustle is that I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I mean, I, you know, at this stage of my life, I want to learn probably more than I've ever wanted to learn. Like I just I want to soak up knowledge and that's why I enjoy your podcast because you have some some highly successful people on there. And just hearing, you know, their journeys and hearing, you know, what success and failures they've had has been good. What kind of prompted you to launch your own podcast?
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, you know, I appreciate the the shout out, certainly, and I appreciate, you know, you you tuning in. And I think probably similar to you when you started this, you know, this podcast was hey you know, I want the opportunity to give back. I mean, that that's what I've enjoyed most about my career is, is I've loved the training and development. You know, I'm always open. Anybody ever calls me, sends me an email, sends me a LinkedIn message, I'm always open to jump on a call and just, you know, let them pick my brain or give them advice or whatever it may be. And so, you know, as it's something I've been thinking about for a while, like, hey, I want to launch this. And then when COVID happened, I started getting a lot of my counterparts and peers like, what should i do with my team members right now right or team members saying what should i be doing to invest in myself and you know i thought to myself you know what i have a really good network it's something i enjoy doing so let's go and you know and you know, as as you're probably thinking about you know of coming up with that name well one of the things that i've always you know uh you know, drove my my career and my passion on is is work ethic and hustle and it comes down to effort so i thought it'd be easy hey i'm gonna interview a person once a week. So, you know, they always kind of joke, okay, you know, how long are you committed to this? Well, I'm definitely committed to 52 weeks and maybe I'll <laughs> wait till the Joe Rogan Spotify deal and, you know, take it to yeah, the next level, it, right? It signed, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, but yeah, so that's why I started, you know, I wanted the opportunity to give back to whether it be individuals that, you know, are sitting out there um, that want to get in this business, whether they're in college or looking for the next opportunity or people that are in this business. Hey, when when you get the chance to listen to really, really successful people and industry leaders, you should probably take some notes because if you can apply even one of those things to your day, you will be better. And you know, at the end of the day, I always talk about like, don't try to be good. Don't try to be great. Be elite. And I think that's one opportunity for everyone out there is take this time and take any time to invest in yourself and find ways to be elite.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's great. We'll make sure that we put um, the links to in here for people to check it out because, you know, like I said, I was listening to, uh, listening to the one with, uh, I think it's Mike, Michael Ford.
1: Yep. From the magic. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I was listening to that one. So, um, no, I yeah, that. you've got some, some rock stars on your, on your show. So,
1: and then uh, you had to, you had to end with me. So my apologies.
0: You're, you're my rock star. What are you talking about? man? Come on. I appreciate that in my heart. You're my guy. <laughs> there it is. That's all that matters. No, man. It's, it's, it's fun. Like I said, I've, my whole career, I've always, since I was 19, I've, I've owned my own business. And it's like, and I talk to my friends who have been in the sports world or corporate America and like, I want to be where you were. And a lot of people that are there want to be where I am, you know, in the entrepreneurial, just, you know, yep. their own thing. And, you know, that's, that's really my drive is to learn as much as I can because making the transition from where I've been to the major league has been, it's been a challenge for me. And, um, you know, the size of the deals aren't the same, you know, on the partnership side, for example, you know, I've sold six figure deals at the minor league level, the major league level. I haven't, the minor league level, I wore every hat, small staff, oversee everything. Um, you know, major league it's, it's really focused. And so, um, you know, it's in the position I'm in, it's tough because you can't, I can't go in at a too low of a level monetarily, you know, wise. So it's definitely been a challenge, but it's, it's something that I'm committed to trying to achieve. And, you know, I think the podcast for me has been a great way to kind of pick your brain, people like you who have been in the positions that, that I'd like to be in. And so it's, it's been, it's been a fun A fun journey. So,
1: you know, and that's it to your point. Like, I think that's all it all comes down to the experience you can gain, right? And, you know, you talk to a lot of people that want to get in this business. And if somebody says, and I'll tell them a hundred times, they say, What do you want to do? I want to be in marketing. Well, don't start in inside sales. Rarely, (laughs) rarely do I ever see people transition, you know, from inside sales to marketing go out and find a job in marketing, you yep. know, and get your 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 hands dirty with everything there so you can become an elite person in marketing world. And I think, you know, that's what, you know, I had the opportunity as an intern in college to work somewhat in the minor leagues, you know, at this racetrack um, where I was doing a little bit of everything, right? From yep. concessions to ticket taking, to ticket printing, to selling sponsorship and everything in between that really gained, one, what I was passionate about and that was sales um, mm-hmm. and two, just- a wealth of knowledge of understanding here are how businesses are run. Um, And so I think any experience you can get, that's why I always tell people like you should always, you know, find opportunities to invest in yourself, listen to podcasts, I'm not telling you to listen to every one of yours, or every one of mine or every one of anyone else, but listen to some podcasts, yeah, get a variety yeah. Get a variety in your life, listen to podcasts and understand and, and take something away. Read, you know, I'm a big reader and I always say you should read as many books you can. I'm not sitting here telling you, you need to read, you know, a book a week, but read a book a month and try to take something out of it to apply to your day. You will be better both personally and professionally.
0: One book recommendation, what would it be?
1: You know, I think the easiest one is, is how to be a rainmaker. Um, You know, I think for this business, it's short, sweet, you know, if it takes you much longer than an hour and a half, you you probably read it wrong. Um, It's a quick read, but it's, it's just key takeaways. Boom, boom, boom. Um, You know, that's, that's one of the books I read early on in my career and and love it.
0: I'm going to check it out. Thank you for joining me, Travis. I appreciate it, man. It was great chatting with you.
1: Yeah, great connecting as well. No, thank you for your time. I appreciate you having me on and, and certainly you know, best of luck in your future endeavors. I know you have a lot going on and certainly best of luck with the podcast as well. Thanks, man. So you've seen yourself, so I appreciate it. Hey, podcast fans. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Andrew Hain Show. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions, be sure to reach out to Andrew on LinkedIn. We'll see you next time.